Hello, and welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. In this week's episode, we welcome podcaster and independent researcher Sergio Halabi. Originally from Lebanon, currently living in Bahrain, Sergio focuses on ancient civilizations, mythology, UFOs and conspiracy theories, as well as spiritual investigation into the beyond and the paranormal, studying NDEs, OBEs, and the nature of reality. In his podcast, Sergio condenses tons of information on these topics into short, digestible episodes. I'll leave all his links in the description below. But before we get to it, for all things Pursuit of Infinity, visit our website, pursuitofinfinity.com, where you'll find all of our links to many places where you can find us. If you want to support the show, the easiest way to do that is to give us a follow or a sub, as well as a five-star rating and a review. These have a huge impact on those pesky algorithms and also helps us to expand our reach. You can also show us some support by heading over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash pursuit of infinity. And if you didn't know, we have a YouTube channel. All of our episodes are always posted there in video format, as well as an array of shorts that we have been putting together on a regular basis. Now, with all of that out of the way, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. For everyone listening, uh, you will have heard a short introduction on this week's guest, but for those watching, welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. I'm your host, Josh, and joining me today is podcaster and fellow seeker of knowledge, Sergio Halabi. Sergio, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Josh. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, could you tell everybody uh, what your podcast is about, with the structure, the format, and how it came to be? Yeah, sure. So uh, my podcast is called uh, Paradigm Shift with uh, Sergio Halabi. And basically the purpose of that is to dig into in ancient knowledge, stuff that have been kind of forgotten over time, and to kind of understand and pick out what actual truth is from that information. As I feel so many things have been lost through time, uh, whether it was on purpose or not from, from mankind in general. and Basically, so I bring this ancient information, these philosophy, philosophies, ideological beliefs and stuff. And the purpose is I want to find a way to prove once and for all, basically, that mankind, we have been worshipping false gods and false deities for centuries and millennia and stuff like that. And that these gods, they're nothing more than just you know, perhaps advanced beings, whether they came from somewhere else or whether they came from an even ancient, a more ancient civilization of mankind or a version of mankind. And it, it seems that the more I read into it, the more it's, uh, they have been tricking us into worshiping them as gods. So we as humanity, we have sort of, we forgot what our connection to, to, to the creator or to actual God is, to the universe. We, we forgot our power, what we can, what we can achieve because we've been, we've been fed these ideas and lies that, you know, we're weak and we're sinners and we, we can't achieve things and we need, you know, people with more information to tell us what is love, what is God, what is all this. So, so I want to bridge that gap between all these false ideas that we have been fed for centuries and to shed light over what we can achieve because we can achieve so many things as, as people. We have intuition, we have precognition, we have powers that, you know, we've been, we've been told we don't have. So that is, is what I do. And basically I have, you know, I spend, I, I get an idea and I have a podcast. Each episode is about 15 minutes. So I try to simplify it as much as possible because my purpose is to bring these ideas to as many people as possible and not make it feel like it's overwhelming or it's too much information at times. So I need to break it down, bring the simplest version of it to my episode. And that's what, you know, I, I put out there. So that's how, how it goes for me. Yeah. When I first saw um, your podcast and started listening to it, 
I noticed that the episodes were like 12 minutes, 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. That's very intriguing. And when I listened to it, I understood because you really do condense a lot of information into like a very small package and it's really beautifully done. So, uh, so thank you for what you're putting out there. I, I really love it. Thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, that's the whole point because the world is so loud around us with so many things. There's so much information all the time. And I feel like, you know, I want to get as much pos- as much information as possible out without taking too much time. So it feels like someone could be like, oh, you know what? That's like just like 13 minutes. I can, I can listen to that on a car ride somewhere. So I can just put it and listen to it and get some information without making it too heavy or too much. So what is it that you think about ancient knowledge, about spirituality that's becoming um, like so big nowadays? Because you're seeing like a resurgence of a lot of this ancient knowledge. And to me, it feels like people are, are hungry for it. So why do you think that is? I think we, we've been, we've been uh, pushed to our limit as mankind. Uh, we've been told so many lies over the years. We have been, uh, you know, hunted down, rejected, excommunicated, exiled, just for certain people when, when they come up with certain ideas. And it's, the reaction is always the same from any form of organized religion in general, uh, which is also kind of now seeping into science, uh, which I feel like in a way it's sort of turning into its own religion because people are now rejecting any new idea and they go, no, no, you know, scientists have said this and that's the only truth that exists. And, and that's not even the purpose of science in general. Like that's just as a side note, it's just science is always in pursuit of, of knowledge and, and we keep experimenting to finding it. So I feel people for a while have kind of forgotten what it was like to research or to, to understand th- that knowledge, what, what we've accepted everything just at face value. It's like, yep, this is truth. Yep, this is reality. That's it. We don't want anything else. And because everything has reached like a boiling point with mankind, we've sort of have for the past 20 to 30 years, it's, it's been like slowly sipping into and now it's becoming more and more accepted that these you know, spiritual ideas that once, you know, mankind strived on those ideas. Like we were, it, it feels like we were much more advanced spiritually a thousand, two thousand years ago, four thousand years ago than we were now, than we are now. So it feels like there's a thirst for that truth and that knowledge to come back. And it's, it's happening all over. Like you just feel it with everyone around you. Like people are talking about things that weren't really discussed before, were considered maybe taboo, were considered on the crazy side, but now it's becoming much more accepted and and more mainstream, if you want. And that's, I just want to feel like I'm part of it as well. You know, like I just want to do my part by bringing that to light. Yeah, for sure. Because it seems like with the current capitalistic, like consumer-based system we have, I mean, really, it's been since like the entire conquest of of Western Europe, like Europe. Um, yep. It's like we've beaten the wisdom out of ourselves, and instead we've replaced it with what we call like quote unquote intelligence. Yep. And it yes. seems to me that if we we're able to merge those two things into like a very cohesive, holistic philosophy, we'll be able to move forward in a way that is prosperous to all people and right now there's so much suffering and there's just yes. so many people who are disenfranchised in this world and it's it's actually there's a reason for that like uh, like there's a lot of um, you know belief that because there is a rise in, in in spirituality and in people trying to find the truth it kind of it needs to balance itself out with with the suffering that is happening and how bad things are so it's kind of like it's a last effort to kind of stay in power and maintain control by bringing even more issues to the world, more drown them with stress and anxiety and worry all the time so that they don't sit and question what is humanity's place in the universe? Why are we here? What, what can we, how can we get better? How can we evolve on, on much more than just, you know, physical and um, materialistic level? So the more people try to bring that truth back, the more there is a, you know, like a shutdown from the other side by like, you know, there's more financial problems. There are more issues, more poverty, more. So it's like, it's, it's a, it feels like there's a war happening, but it's a war on, on the minds of people. 
It's like people don't go to wars anymore just to kill each other physically. They now do it in the minds of men. You know what I mean? And that's how we're going to be able to win the war by, by bringing this information more and shedding more light to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're, we're at war with our own government. You know, our, our, yep. our leaders are, are waging a war of consciousness with us. Yes. Um, and you see that with, you know, the war on drugs, you know, outlawing all psychedelics, you oh, know, yeah. um, demonizing, you know, spiritual practices that bring you closer to whatever, quote unquote, God you want yeah. to uh, define as. Um, it's very, very troubling. It's the same tactic that the church used uh, in the, the dark ages of Europe when, when there was this new movement coming up. And every time someone, you know, tries to reread the Bible in a new way, for example, or, or talk about it, like, okay, maybe we should not be killing each other all the time. And, and they would just completely like, you know, the, the excommunication and like you're out and you're a heretic and we're going to burn you at the stake and all that. So any, and with the whole, you know, the, the uh, witches hunt uh, of, of Salem, for example, what happened there and the Spanish Inquisition, it's like, you know, throughout history, mankind has always tried to, to get that truth and to regain the power, but there's always a system of control on top of it. And they just need to bring you back, like saying like, no, you are not powerful. You don't have anything. You're weak. You need to listen to us. We are the one. We know. We know more than you. You know, and and when in fact they're not really offering you anything other than just complete control of your mind. They're not giving you that freedom because in pursuit of spirituality and and a new way to look at, for example, my connection to the universe and my connection to the creator, I found much more peace than I ever did when it, when it was under the banner of religion, for example, because religion was using fear and, and hatred and, you know, like you need to hate the others because if they're not the same religion as you, they hate you and they want you to die and you need to be always afraid of not going to hell. Where, it, where it's, it's all just about like this supposed to be an unconditional love connection with God, right? And, and it's like, it's so contradictory that, it just doesn't make sense to me at all anymore. And I can't go back. I can't go back to that, you know? Yeah, once you open that door, it can no longer okay. close. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like these, these religious organizations and any institution that really tries to impart its will on the people um, under the guise of spirituality, like you said, they use fear and they use a tactic where like they're telling you what you should believe instead yep. of like teaching you how to connect to God on your own by yourself. <clears throat> and they demonize any uh, mode of consciousness that promotes feeling God for yourself as opposed to being told what God is. Exactly. Because the moment you say, well, you know, I was, you know, meditating or praying night, last night and I felt this connection with God and it, it told it like, you know, I felt like I need to be happy, for example, right? Like I need to do something. Immediately the answer is like, yeah, that's, that was the devil talking to you. You know, that was Satan, you know, tempting you with things because, you know, you're not supposed to feel good. And, you know, so, so there's always a go, a, they always go back to this guilt and shame and fear, which is all like very very low vibrational emotions to keep you, to keep you there. So that's the job I feel like, you know, like this is purpose that I found where I need to keep talking about it. And I don't care how many people think like, oh, maybe he's like, he's off the rails, he's crazy and all that. No, like it, it, it makes so much sense. And, and even when you were talking about like psychedelics, for example, like how are you making something that is in nature like actual a plant, for example, how are you making that illegal, but you legalize whatever you grow in a lab and you give it to me as a pill? You, you know what I mean? Like it just, it doesn't align with any logical thought. Like this is a plant that exists in nature that if I take it, I'm going to, you know, experience whatever, but it's a natural thing. And you're telling me that's illegal. I'll go to jail for that. But, oh, here's a pill that's going to give you like, you know, for an antidepressant. And we've cooked it in some lab and the side effects are, you know, the list is, is infinite of what it can do to you and what it can cause you. It's just, it's just no logic at all in any of that behavior. Yeah, these pharmaceutical uh, commercials, have you seen them? Like, I mean, they, they, they spend like 
a tenth of the commercial like explaining what it can do to help you and then the rest of the commercial is just like all these crazy side effects like yep. internal bleeding your eyes yeah. are going to explode like it's just it's insane man i've had people who were taking some pills and they were like you know what i'd rather the original <laughs> disease that i had than the side effects <laughs> i'm getting from these pills like i can't deal with this anymore yeah yeah it's they don't care about us they don't care Absolutely. about our health they don't care about our well-being they just want you to be addicted for the rest of your life and pay money. That's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, alcohol, uh, as Graham Hancock would say, the most boring of drugs is legal and culturally sanctioned. Exactly. And, and like how much, how the, 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 the disadvantages of alcohol, it's insane. Like you're destroying your liver. There's alcoholism involved. You become addicted. It changes you. It dehydrates you. Like the list is insane and that's legal. And then come and like, you know, smoke something up and they say, Oh no, that's like, you know, the work of the devil and don't do it like on a, even on a scientific level it, it, it's it's better than alcohol and just it's it's completely legal and everywhere it yeah baffles me not to mention like the entire uh, description of schedule 1 in terms of the controlled substances act which includes marijuana DMT LSD psilocybin the whole definition is that these are highly addictive substances with yep. no medical value Meanwhile, I have a yeah. medical marijuana card in my state and then like multiple states in this country, it's recreationally legal. So like these laws don't even match up. Exactly. Exactly. And how many times have we seen these like experiments done by regular people who like, for example, someone who has Parkinson's disease, someone who has epilepsy and like they say the immediate change whenever they actually like get the cannabis oil, for example, and they drink it. And it's like, it's like a miracle. You know what I mean? Like the effect are so immediate. There's a guy I remember who had, his son was eight years old, and he said he, uh, when it was first, I think, legalized in the U.S., it was in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, and he moved his son there, and he said the one day, or the first day where his son did not get an epileptic shock was when he tried cannabis oil. Like, can you imagine, like, you're seeing your child, he's eight years, for eight years, he's experiencing something, and the, the, the cure is right there, sitting right there. And like, no, you can't have it because, you know, a patient cured is a patient lost. So they will not give it to you. That's such a good quote. I love that. A patient cured is a patient lost. Exactly. And, you know, what they do uh, to, to also promote their, their way of thought is like, they call everything uh, like a blanket statement of a conspiracy, you know, the yeah. conspiracy oh, yes. theory. Um, I forget when that term was coined, but yeah, everything nowadays that, uh, doesn't coincide with the status quo is considered a, a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because like the amount of conspiracy, conspiracy theories, quote unquote, which is like, which have been proven to be correct are so much, you know what I mean? It's kind of like become a joke where like, oh, so you're calling me a conspiracy theorist, but Everything we've been talking about, we, we, you know, like, for example, like, let's say when it comes to UFOs and uh, people have been reporting UFOs for, 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 you know, decades and everything and all that. And every time the government comes up, no, no, nothing's wrong. No, no, weather balloon. No, it's fine. You know, testing, whatever. And then in 2020, they actually released a video from the Pentagon saying that these were UFOs and they are breaking the laws of physics because they are moving in a way without leaving a trail behind. They're moving at such a high speed, no shockwave, no anything. And it's like, yeah, we've been saying that for years. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, you know, so it's like, you know, we, at some point, it's just conspiracy theory. The word has ju is just used to kind of like discredit people like me, for example. You know what I mean? Like any one of us who's trying to find the truth or questions anything, oh, you know, it's just a conspiracy theorist. You know, it's your nut job. You're like, no, I mean, like, it, we don't just wake up one day and claim something. You know, it's based on reading and, and a, you know, a collection of ideas that work together as a, as a, you know, as a whole. And that's when the theory comes up. It's not like I wake up one day, I go like, you know what, I think there are aliens. It, it, it's not just, it's not about that. You know, like, for example, when it comes to, ancient civilizations, which is my main focus and, you know, my passion, once you read certain things with, like, if you read them with today's understanding of what these people were going through, 
you can really grasp that okay i think these people were actually in you know in touch with with very advanced civilizations like when they describe you know like a dragon flying for example it could easily be as you know a flying saucer it's just that they did not have the vocabulary to actually describe what they're looking at because they didn't know how to say it you know what i mean like for example in the in the old testament of the bible there is a, um, a story about uh, uh, one of the prophets is uh, elijah and it's mentioned how he is walking with a family member and then out uh, all of a sudden a, a chariot of fire comes down from the sky and it pulls elijah in a in a whirlwind and he's like spinning and goes up into this chariot and then the chariot disappears and that's how the bible talks about elijah and his death right and it's like okay so once you understand it from today's point of view you can clearly see that they're talking about a machine that was actually flying and they're saying fire because they don't know how engines would work they wouldn't have a word for engine or a flying saucer or something like that but what was described 4000 years ago is the same experience that people describe now when they've experienced like alien abduction for example or it's the same thing a light came from the sky pulled me up to something and all that so and these are such repeating stories in every civilization all over the world from the ancient times is that yeah these these people definitely had an encounter with with something it's it's not all just you know like magic or, or whatever there there is something that we have been missing for a very long time yeah and you know what we don't understand about ancient knowledge i think and we're starting to a little bit is that the ancients spoke in the form of symbolism and in myth. And in my opinion, they used symbolism and myth as a way to transcend the barriers of language that you'll see across centuries, you know, because we can understand symbols as long as we look at them in the correct way. But when you look at symbols and myth as if they are literal, it turns yeah. it into like a fairy tale, you know, and that's what our uh, the powerful people right now, they, exactly. they institutionalize these things and they they make them into stories and say this yes. is fake this yes. is a fairy tale yes exactly exactly because because uh, i feel like uh, on some level when it comes to their beliefs they were being very symbol uh, symbolic and you know like they were trying to transcend all of that but at the same time when they tell stories there's no reason for them to be so symbolic especially with some of the words they use so i'll give you an example like i don't know how familiar you are with with the the first ever civilization in mesopotamia and uh in mesopotamia and the 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 the, pan the pantheon of the gods what they called them they were called the, the anunnaki right and now the anunnaki as a name as a name by itself when you when you break it down anu na and ki it actually means those who came down from the heavens to earth so they were they were literally describing something that they saw or beings they saw that from the sky went down in front of them you, you know what i mean or else they wouldn't have named them in that capacity like for example okay if we if i'm to 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 follow the abrahamic religion and that there's a god who's a creator of everything that's awesome but that god did not come down to earth right like as a, as a, as a god as a creator we're not talking about jesus i'm talking as a general so there's no description of him as coming down but different civilizations of those time they would actually talk about them as if they're living among them like like he would walk and then he would do this and then they would have a gathering in the sky you know what i mean or like when um, when certain like a Mo like moses for example when he would want to talk with god he would actually go to a specific tent and he would sit inside and then god would come down in a pillar of smoke and he would talk to him and then the the face of moses would turn all white it's almost like they're describing actual visitations by someone you know what i mean by by actual beings that they refer to as god because that's what those beings refer to themselves as they were like we are gods worship us it's as simple as that and you're here to you know serve us and be our slave yeah and also you know it could be interpreted as um like a civilization that was highly advanced that coexisted with like a hunter-gatherer civilization yep, that yep. like maybe traversed the seas and gave them information which seemed godlike because it was so far advanced from what yes. they've been used to yes so so 
there is there is these two parallel theories when it comes to these ancient civilizations. One is that you know we had made contact with, with beings from another planet, but there's also another one, like you were saying, that there is it's almost like humanity is on it works on cycles, and it's as if there was a very advanced civilization way prior to the Ice Age, like we're talking before 120,000 years ago, way before that, and they kind of you know, had full control of the planet. They were advanced. They had mapped everything out. And then certain things happened in the world that affected this civilization. So there's a theory about when the Ice Age uh, hit, it kind of destroyed so many things. And some of these uh, civilizations went underground or kind of left the planet or, or, or whatever. But it... it um, uh, because now, for example, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, like, because the, uh, the ice cap is melting, right, in the, um, in the South Pole. And some structures are starting to appear that clearly are not natural. So there is a, an actual coordinate, uh, if you, if you want to look for it, they, you can actually see at the top of a pyramid, uh, which, is, uh, which is starting to appear in the South Pole. Uh, which indicates that if a civilization existed and built a pyramid, it existed way before the Ice Age happened. So we're talking hundreds and thousands of years before. You know what I mean? But it's just we've lost all records for it. There are other places where it feels like there's an actual statue of a face that is huge and has been carved as well. So um, it's, it's almost understood by the ancients that they had information from an even older generation, from an even older civilization that has been passed down to them and was lost over time. And now we're kind of trying to, to re-understand it again and again. So it's like this, this cycle that keeps repeating that we're on. And it's not an unfathomable thing to think because right now we currently live in a world where you know, you and I are speaking over the internet on computers. Yep. And meanwhile, in the Congo and in other places in the, in the world, you have hunter-gatherers who are still thriving and living. So, you know, say like a Graham Hancock is, is correct. And there was, you know, a gigantic meteor that smashed into the planet 12,800 years ago. Um, he claims that uh, the advanced civilizations used maybe a place like Gobekli Tepe to transfer their advanced information to the hunter-gatherers um, and also to gain information from them because who else would be able to survive a cataclysm like that? A hunter-gatherer, yes. somebody who yes. knows how to traverse the actual world and survive in nature. In harsh terrains and in harsh conditions as well. Because like, we now today, as our society, we cannot survive what hunter-gatherers survived 12,000 years ago. We're no longer equipped to be in nature anymore. So it makes so much sense that, you know, they would pass on to the next generation of, 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 of you know, creatures or beings that can survive because they will no, not be able to actually survive those harsh conditions. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems very plausible to me. And the UFO thing, too. I mean, it is very, very possible that you know, have you heard, um, I think the, the theory is called panspermia, that we were sort of like planted here by oh, yeah. um, like bacteria on a meteor? I, I would give you even a, a more uh, about whether we are planted here because I've tried to um, you know, look into whether mankind, and I'm talking about like homo sapiens, uh, if we actually did evolve on the planet or not. Because it feels that we should be a lot more adapted to live on this planet and we're not. So many things in our DNA, in our body structure, bone structure, skin, and everything doesn't feel like we have evolved here. It's like we were placed here, kept here, and then, you know, we've, we've been kind of sort of living here. So, for example, we're the only creatures who get skin cancer from too much exposure to the sun, right? And that doesn't make sense when you actually think that we are supposed to be in nature. We were not supposed to live in homes. We are supposed to be in nature exposed to that sort of radiation but it actually harms us. We are the only creatures when it comes to our bodies, like we still don't regulate correctly between hypothermia and, and hyperthermia when we switch different biomes, even though humanity is supposed to have traversed the globe completely. It's not like we stay in one area, like different, you know, different animal king, um, 
uh, you know, uh, uh, in different biomes and how they live and adapt to that. We have supposed adapt to the entirety of Earth, and yet we still we still can't survive that. And there's an example I always give to anyone, like whenever I go on on any of the shows, is how different we are uh, on a on a physiological level. Uh, we are the only creatures ever that have the hair on our head. It grows and it doesn't stop growing until we use a tool to cut it. Okay. Now that from an evolutionary point of view does not make sense at all because you can't evolve so that you could need to use tools. There's nothing in your body that needs to evolve so that it has tools, which is from outside your body. You know what I mean? So it feels like at some point there was some genetic manipulation of our DNA and these things are sort of the side effect of that because the only other animal that grows its you know hair or whatever you want to call it you know uncontrollably are sheep and we have genetically modified sheep to actually grow hair in their fur in that in that way it's not like they were like that before we have done that through crossbreeding through different ways to to all that so it needed an advanced civilization us to work with a less advanced being which is the sheep to change its dna same thing for us. We have so many features in us, like, for example, how we grow beards, and it literally doesn't stop growing. Why doesn't it stop growing? How is that evolution in any way? And, and no other animal ever has that trait, for example. And no animal has evolved into needing to cut its own hair. Dude, I love that you brought that up. Because I was listening to your podcast episode yesterday actually where you were talking about that and that blew my mind because i'd never thought about that and like same with fingernails like what sort of evolutionary mutation would cause us to continuously grow hair and fingernails it, it's just mind-blowing yeah i like the word mutation that you used it's it's because it's a mutation it's not something that was normal through our evolutionary process there was an involvement at some point and it it kind of fades into what most ancient civilizations say when they, when they mention the gods and how they made us in their image. That sentence to me feeds so much into this if we want to take it more literally because it does feel like we were manipulated on a genetic level to look like our creators or these beings or these gods or whatever you want to call them. Like the fact that, we, that those people used to say uh, humanity was made in the likeness of the gods, that means there was a part of us f taken from that god. You, you, you know what I mean? So it, it feeds into this DNA manipulation, mutation, and all of that. And to me, that begs the question, like, what is the evolution of consciousness? Because if evolution means anything, it means the evolution of consciousness. Because it seems to be the most effective mutation um, on a species in terms of how it survives in, it, in its environment, how it controls its environment, because we're also the only species who is able to manipulate its environment in order to survive. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's correct. Which means that that we we did not adapt to the environment. We have grown into making the environment adapt to us, and that is also a very unique trait that also doesn't align with evolution if you want to talk about it from a pure scientific point of view, because evolution is adapting to the environment. That's why we keep changing. We keep it depending on the conditions that the planet is in. New life comes and then it, 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 it is created so that it can live in that space. In our situation, we're, we're working on the opposite of evolution because we're changing that environment to fit us. Absolutely. And, you know, to me, that also promotes a very detrimental idea to humanity, which is like this idea that we're working against nature. It's like we're waging a war against nature instead of becoming um, like more and more symbiotic with it. Yeah, we're the only, we're the only um, beings on Earth as well that, we, you know, we kind of don't take care of nature or, or want to change things so that, you know, we, we have these traits which are sort of selfish. And we're the only ones who, like, we go to war against each other. And it's not out of survival, survival instinct. It's more out of greed. You know what I mean? Like, we have traits that, that we don't share with any other being. And, it feel, and, and yet, at the same time, it's like 
we almost feel like we're fighting with ourselves because there's a part of us that wants to be part of nature and wants to be, you know, like one and live in harmony and everything. And at the same time, there's another part which is extremely aggressive and wants to like kill everything and just, you know, you know, make sure that we get all the stuff and get and be very greedy. So even this duality that we have in us, not only is that unique to us, but it also feels like it's two different parts of our DNA fighting each other. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels like the part of us that, that was originally there as the original, you know, homo, homo sapiens, for example, we would just want it to be part of nature. You know, we're hunter-gatherers to an extent. We're just like, you know, eating, killing animals in a very mild, controlled, you know, harmonic way. And then something happened to us and we became these beings, which is like, it's never enough. We want to wage wars. We want to take what others have just to feed ourselves even more and more. Like you always see, even among in the animal kingdom, okay, animals fight each other, but the, the minute one of them wins, for example, or, or dominates the other, it, the fight is over. It never needs to exceed, or there's never need for, you know, revenge or all of that. We always feel like we're fighting two different sides in ourselves. And I believe that came because we were manipulated and the two natures that are within us are fighting each other. Because none of us is, we're not complete anymore. Yeah, it's like the uh, the divine mind versus the monkey mind or something. You know? yes. I think it's uh, pretty accurately represented in a lot of movies and TV shows when they have like the devil on one shoulder and yeah. the angel on the other. To me, exactly. a lot of those types of representations are like a subconscious uh, manifestation or representation of uh, like the actual battle going on inside us. Yeah, because it's it's our battle actually. It's not an angel or a devil sitting on each side of our shoulders telling us what to do. It's it's all, everything is within us, and we are the ones who need to be in control. We are the ones who need to regain that power to 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 understand that you know we're capable of this. We are better than this. We need to fight this you know this side of us that is unnatural because it is unnatural. The the the, the way we we treat each other is not does not come from, from, from Earth. It does not come from... Uh, uh, if we want to look at Earth as a being that is capable of creating life, because that's what Earth is. Planet is capable of creating life, right? And Earth would not create life that wants to kill each other. It just does not. It, it hasn't done it in, 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 in its entire history. So for us to be that way, it does not feel that we are from Earth or that you know, we, we, we evolved here. There's something at some point that happened to us. So do you think there's a path forward here or do you think that we're going to inevitably be another one of these species that gets smashed by a meteor and has to start over again? Honestly, no, I do feel that the fact that we have a side of us that wants the truth, that wants to fight for that is, is a sign that we can make it. Just because we're not purely working on instincts and just like with everything that is negative and bad and all the stuff that we are capable of doing, we are also capable of doing so much good. And we have so much love within us and so much light and so much empathy and, and, and you know, gratitude and abundance and all these feelings that we are capable of feeling. These feelings, they don't come to any sort of animal, for example. They don't come to We are capable of that. So just the fact that we can have those and the fact that more people are talking about it, more people are fighting for that, eventually it will trickle down. I mean, it's going to take so much time. We're talking generations upon generations of healing and, you know, you know, moving away from all the trauma and all the issues that we've done to ourselves. But it, it, it doesn't stop. And it's not the first time that this is happening. So even though now we're more on a, on a, on a spiritual path, if you want, even when we look at, for example, let's, let's go back to the Dark Ages. And when we talk about the Renaissance movement and how there was a rejection for, for like, we can't live like this anymore. We need to express ourselves with art. We need to create music. We need to create mu uh, paintings. We need to, uh, that was also humanity awakening as well. So it's not like, you know, throughout all these thousands of years, we've just been like, you know, stepped on for all time. No, I mean, it has come through, through time, every couple hundred years, 500 years, 600 years, something happens to mankind and we go like, you know what? 
we are better than this. We're not just going to kill each other. We're not just going to die from the plague. We're not going to, you know, we, we're not going to be controlled anymore. We're going to create something. And then we wake up. We do these changes. We bring them to the world. And then a new form of control comes. So now another 500 years pass, and then we have to, you know, wake up all over again and then talk about it. It's just this always battle going all the time, all the time. It just takes so much time for us. Yeah, it's like a cycle of growth. So do you see any sort of philosophy, religion, or spiritual dogma that is like sort of on the right track that you think is is uh, exemplifying some of the some of the lessons and paradigms that will move us forward? I mean, I, I honestly didn't know it, was, it had a name until like maybe a few weeks ago or something, but, uh, but there is something called uh, pantheism, which is this belief that there is a light of God in each one of us, basically. And what, what we... So, so when it comes to, you know, when, if you want to talk more spirituality... Uh, I subscribe to the idea that us and God and the creator, we're all one. We're all part of this, this divine consciousness and that God is, you know, manifesting itself through us and is witnessing itself through us, through our experience, through our lives, through everything we, we, we're going through right now. And we were going to keep going through until the end of time, which is you know, time is just a construct that we see. So it's kind of difficult to, to find words to describe those things. But I definitely feel that once we tap into this connection that we have to the world, to the universe, to, to the creator, it's, it's, it's like, it's sort of like magic, if you want. You know what I mean? Like when we talk about the laws of, you know, what you, what you can manifest, the laws of attraction, the laws of all that, like, it really works once you connect and you feel it, you feel it inside you. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a powerful thing that not only, not only, you know, to be looked at from, oh, you know, I'm going to get whatever I want in this life and all that. It's not just about that. It's about understanding the purpose of why is it that you, you are the way you are? Why is it that you chose this life? Why, when you came here, who were your parents? Who, what kind of life you had? Everything, it's all part of this experience that, you know, the great consciousness wants to experience. You, you know what I mean? So it's, um, I have this tattoo here. I don't know, it's going to show on camera. But it's, the, uh, it's the, basically the Vesica Pisces. And to me, it's the perfect representation of, of everything because it, it has the creator and the creator needed... Because, I mean, creator was the only thing in existence. And if you're the only thing in existence, then nothing can witness you. Nothing can manifest you. So once the creator came, he, he, he split into us, into this creation that we are. And what we're experiencing now is, is just the creator witnessing his own creation. You know what I mean? So he's just, we're just going through what, whatever can be there is in the entirety of, of this universe and all the other universes and, and, and everything. So it's just this idea that we are connected through this, you know, unconditional love and we can manifest whatever we want. We can, we can be empowered. We're not weak. We're not sinners. We're not, uh, you, you know, like, uh, um, we don't need anyone between us and the creator. That, that's how I see it. You're speaking my language, man. <clears throat> and it seems to me that there are ways that, you know, this quote-unquote God allows us to uh, experience itself or to feel it for what it is. And to me, psychedelics are an amazing way to do yes. that. Um, have you had any experiences with psychedelics or any other mode of consciousness that I have not, allowed you actually. to merge with and feel what God is? I have not, uh, not in terms of psychedelics. Uh, definitely uh, ayahuasca is on the list at some point, <laughs> you know, in the future. Uh, but, uh, but I have not experienced. What I have experienced and what I have worked with is I've done uh, out-of-body. I have done astral projection. I have visited the Akashic Records. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to places. Yeah, I've done past life regression um, meditation and stuff like that. And I can... I can 
talk about it like, you know, forever. And I know what I felt, what I've experienced. I can, you know, there's nothing that's going to stop me from believing what, what that side of reality is. You know what I mean? I've, I have personally talked with people who, who were, you know, pronounced dead and they've experienced a near-death experience. I've researched into this on a personal level, not just reading about it. And the amount of people who talk about this, this feeling whenever they went to another place and this love that they've been surrounded with and they just felt at home. And it's like, I've been here before. And, you know, what, what they felt, the stuff I've experienced when I've astral projected, I've completely disconnected from my body. Like I stopped hearing things. I was in the park one day and I was doing this, this meditation and I, you know, went somewhere for maybe seven to eight minutes. And I cannot emphasize enough how much I thought everyone had left the park because I could not hear anyone talking anymore. Like it was complete silence. And then when I came back, suddenly it became so loud and it's just like, oh, everyone is still here. You know, like I've actually disconnected. So it's, it's insane. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah, it's so crazy. I've been doing a lot of research on uh, near-death experiences as well. And oh my God, it's out standing how many people have the same type of experience like you said of going home of merging yes. with pure love and compassion and when they come back their lives are changed forever yes. i yes. haven't heard of any other experience besides psychedelics that can do that to a person yep yeah exactly and and it, when, talking about the near-death experiences like so many people talk about like they go to this place and they don't talk. There's no words, but they just know. They just understand what's happening. It's all telepathy. It's all understanding that, oh, so I'm here, but it's not yet my time. I'm going to come back later. So I still have something to do back on earth. You know what I mean? And then they, they fall back into their body and they, they have this insane change of behavior and understanding. And they, they no longer fear death. You know, they no longer feel the unknown because they know. And what strikes me amazing about every single person, whether I spoke to personally or uh, I've read about or watched, is this conviction that they have. It's like they're not even trying to convince you with the truth or telling you, like, you have to believe me. So this is and this is the proof of this happening. It's like it doesn't matter if you believe me or not. I know it's real. I know what I experienced. And it was real. You know what I mean? So this conviction that they bring back with them, you know, gives me goosebumps every time because they are so sure of it. They know that's the truth, truth with a capital T, you know, that there's nothing else after death. And not only do they say it's real, they say it's realer than real. It's more real yes. than this waking mode of consciousness, which to me is so crazy. And again, I've felt that with psychedelics. So yeah. I completely understand what people are talking about when they say that. Uh, and uh, here's a question for you. So when you've experienced that, it, it also affects you when you kind of, you know, come back and you, you, you know, you, you're off of it or something like, like how, how do you see this reality versus that reality? Well, I mean, it's changed my life in so many ways. I mean, completely, very dramatically. For one, uh, I was an absolute staunch atheist before I started delving into psychedelics. And within the first few minutes of like the peak of my first experience, I was just, it was gone. The atheism, the atheism was gone. Wow. Um, because you really feel what it means to be connected to spirit, to your soul and to whatever you want to define as God. Yeah. You know, God seems to be um, like a pathetic word compared to what it actually is yep. when you feel it and when you merge with it. And, you know, when I came back, and, you know, I continue to do uh, psychedelics every once in a while, every, every probably few months, I'd say a few times a year. Um, and it's like a, just a, a reconnection with that thing, you know, um, and it just changed the way I look at everything. It reprioritized my relationships, um, you know, it reprioritized the way I think about work and the way I spend my time and the way that I show love and compassion to the people around me. Do you feel that you accept things now more? Like if things are happening, maybe that are outside of your control, do you feel like things to you, like you kind of accept them in a better way than you did before? It's kind of like I'm going through that as well. Yes, for sure. Um, it really helped me to prioritize like 
the way that I care and value things that yeah. I'm not able to control. Yep. Um, even when it comes to like when I look at what's happening in our politics, mm. um, that used to really get me bent. I used to be real bent out of shape about the way that our political system has been handling things, and I, you know, and I felt super nihilistic. Mm. And now nihilism is not even a thought in my brain. You know, when things come in, I'm able to have compassion for them and compassion for people who don't agree with me. And I'm able to really analyze situations in a more like grounded way. Uh, no, yeah, I completely agree. And I relate to it so much because I had never felt this acceptance of things the way I do now, like for the past couple of years, even though, even though I still have some of the same problems, for example, let's say on a financial level. And, you know, I would go a couple of years ago, I would be in a very bad place. And I'm like, oh my God, and this is horrible. And I'll get this, this, you know, this anger and this hate towards other people. And why does this one have more than I do? And why is it my life so difficult? And so on and so on. And now it's like, there is a peace that's inside me. There's an acceptance that, you know what? It's happening and somehow it's going to work out and it's going to be okay and all that. and it's not like the problem stopped. It's just the way I deal with them is the, the way it changed. And I never got that before because when you look at like the biblical gods, okay, when we're talking about, you know, let's say Abrahamic religions in, in specific, he comes off as such an insecure child, you know what I mean, who needs you to pray for him all the time. And he's like, you know, screwing your life all the time just to teach you a lesson, you know, and like, you know, like yeah, uh, you know, God knows better and you should accept it and stuff like that. And it just made me so resentful for years. It's like, why, why would you do this to me? You know, why would you, why would you make me, you know, suffer this much? But once I've shed that image and I've understood the true nature of that connection and that love and that, you know, God, if you want to call it, it, it's so different and it's so much, it's sort of like a partnership now. You know what I mean? It's sort of like we work together for me to, 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 to understand the world around me and to, to navigate my life as opposed to feeling so powerless before. It just gave me more power. And the, the peace that I have, like, I never, got, never had it before. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, it also, when I was, before I delved into psychedelics, when I was a massive atheist, I used to despise religions and I used to like to go online and fight with people and prove them why their God wasn't real and this and that. But after experiencing the divine for myself, I have so much love for people who are, you know, in their religions and doing their thing, you know, because like I understand now that although I don't agree with the institution in which they practice, we're all pointing at the same thing and we're all trying to climb the summit together. I agree completely because it feels like at, at the basic, you know, basic ideology of every religion, there is some truth and they're trying to tell you something. There is some sort of connection to the divine. It's just that politics get involved so much and it ruins it all because you, you lose that original idea and you, you delve into who's right, who's wrong, who should we be killing, who should we, you know, all of that. So you kind of forget... Uh, there becomes so much judgment over, over yourself, over others, uh, whether they're the same religion or, or different religions or atheists or wherever. And as opposed to, like, let's just, you know, you know remove all this stuff from any religion and, and, you know, look into the source of it. And they're all just saying that, you know, we're all children of God. We're all connected. We should all love each other, treat it, be nice to each other, be good. And that's it. It's, uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, the main message of, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, you know, love thy neighbor as if they were thyself. You know, yep. that is such a beautiful divine message because you realize that every person is you yeah. and you are in them. And when you're looking at someone and you're like hating them or you're judging them, you're just projecting your own shadow onto them. Exactly, exactly. So like if, if what, like you're saying, so when we, when we, try to understand the message behind the message and not take it in such a literal way, we, we, we can see that, you know, even for example, like at some point, like Jesus was saying, uh, you know, we're all children of God and you're all my brothers and we're all the same. And if you believe the way I do, you can move mountains. And, and you know what I mean? So it's like, he was also saying that in a, in a way where 
this is the message that you are powerful. You can do things. You don't have to rely on me or on God or whatever. You have that power. All you have to do is believe that you have the power. But that was taken and transformed into something extremely ugly when it became you know, a, an actual religion. And it kind of defeated the purpose of, of, of what they were trying to say. It just became, no, you are not powerful. You are weak. You are this. You need us. You need the institution. You need the church on top of you. And this goes for every religion, by the way, not just one. Uh, every religion try to give power to, to, to man. And then there are people who, who take it back by, by misinterpreting certain things and playing on your emotions and your guilt and all of that. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of religions, especially Christianity, they're rewritten depending on the times. I mean, if you go to any store and you look for a Bible, it's going to say KJV on it, which means King James Version. And if there's a version that was curated by a king, then to me, that means that this was edited in a way uh, to promote control, not to promote you know, a higher level of compassion or connection with God. True, because all you need to do is change a few words here and there, or at least change the interpretation of these words, and you have a completely different meaning that strips away the power from, from the people and, and gives it to the church or gives it to the king or, or gives it like that. Like, just need to, you know, edit a few words here and there. And it's, it's a tactic used everywhere, even in politics. Like, even in politics, people now work with, with, with more ideology and more more black and white, you know, when it comes to certain things. Like, if, if you voted this, that means you're this and that and that. And, you know, you're completely labeled in that way. And, you know, there's so much gray area. And, you know, religion doesn't deal with gray. They just deal with black and white. And that is extremely, extremely, like, destructive to, to every progress that, that needs, that mankind needs when you deal with, you know, either you're right or wrong. You're with us or you're against us. That's it. Yeah, you're so right. And it brings to mind um, when you talk about the politics, um, you know, they use like phrasing that makes you think that whatever law they're about to pass is going to help you. Yeah. Like, for instance, the Patriot Act. I mean, who could vote against the Patriot Act, you know, not knowing that we're going to be mass surveilled with this legislation? It's just crazy, man. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, what would you give up for your own security, right? For your safety? Are you willing to give up your freedom? To get to get safe and it, and then of course they play on that fear to, to for that you need to be safe and you need to be secured and you need them to do this for you and they do it over years and years of brainwashing and same words going into your mind all the time you're not safe you're not safe people want to kill you people want to destroy your way of life but when it's most of the time everyone just wants to live their own life and just you know have you know not worry about certain things or about how to make money and all that that's it you know. But they just feed on that so much and you end up just, you know, giving away, giving away your freedom, giving away your freedom of thought even just to kind of be safe, stay safe, you know? And that's like, it was, um, I don't know if you read the book, uh, 1984. Have you, have you read it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's like, it's like a manual, <laughs> you know, it's like a manual for what they're doing because all they have to do is keep creating fear and unsafe situations for you to feel like I need someone to take care of me. I need someone to keep me safe. That's what they keep doing. Like notice how wars never finish. They never finish now. There's never a winner and a loser. Even now with the war that's happening now, I'm going to mention it too much, but it will never end. There won't be a change of, of system or some country will lose and another. It will never do that because the business has to keep going. And by the business keep going means that there's a new, always a new face of evil that has to rise and we have to fight it. And then it suddenly completely disappears from the media and from the information and you forget about it. And then suddenly a new face comes up and, and you know, it, 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 there's a new reason for you to fight that war. It's, it's just, it never ends. It never ends. Whether this is on a political level, whether it's a religious level, there's always a new threat that you need people who are above you to take care of. Very well said, man. Very well said. Sergio, I knew that this was going to be a banger of a conversation. Um, we're very like-minded individuals, and I really appreciate your time. 
I just have uh, one more ridiculous question for you. I'm going to steal this from Lex Friedman. If you ever heard his podcast, he used to ask every guest uh, at the end, uh, what is the meaning of life? Ooh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a difficult one. Meaning of life. Honestly, to me, it's, it's, it's not a, like I, I would have said difficult a couple of years ago, but to me now is, is to experience everything. That's the meaning of it. You just come here, you experience things just the way they are on an objective level, whether it was good, whether it was suffering, happiness, love, hate, everything that there is. You just need to come here, you experience all of that, and you take it back with you to whatever other reality we are from, wherever we need to go after we die. And it's sort of like this, this sense of information building, like we all have different lives and different experiences, and it's all feeding into this, this ginormous, you know, divine consciousness, just full-on experiences. That's how I see it. I love it, man. Uh, if people want to look you up, uh, where can they find you? Sure. So, um, so there's my podcast. You just search for Paradigm Shift with uh, Sergio Halabi, and it's on every podcast there is. Uh, and there's also, I have an Instagram page. It's called uh, paradigm.shift.experience. And there I basically, like, uh, whatever I talk about in the podcast, I also create visually for that platform. So, yeah, you can find me on those as well. And I got to say, your Instagram is beautiful. I love the way that, like, if you open up just your Instagram and you look at all of the posts in line, you have a bunch of posts that, like, go across yeah. the entire, like, screen and they all make, like, one word or, like, they make one image. It's beautiful, man. I really admire the way you've done that. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's because I'm a graphic designer uh, in the day. So I used my design skills to actually work on my, uh, on my Instagram page. So different skills combining. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm actually a graphic designer too, or I went to college for it. Oh, hey. I didn't actually use uh, the, the, the degree because I fell into a job that ended up paying more than what I would have uh, gotten jumping into a graphic design job. But yeah, another thing okay. we have in common. And you probably like would uh, like would have been a lot more stressed and anxious if you went into graphic design because like my, the job is horrible. So <laughs> so it's good you you stayed away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I realized that like my my path in graphic design was really in like the advertising direction. Okay. And on this path, I actually sort of realized that like advertising is the work of the devil, and I just did not want to do it. So I'm uh, using I, my I, skills I, in a way where it can support my passion project instead. That's awesome. I always say that we are professional liars, basically, because that's what we do. We just lie to people about mm -hmm. to consume things. <laughs> so I feel very cheap in that area of my life. I need to work on that, maybe. <laughs> I feel you, man. Well, Sergio, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. Same. Thank you so much for having me. Love your show. Love you. Love, as I told you, I love the name of, uh, of your show. And uh, this, was, uh, this was amazing. Thank you so much.